0: It's worth to challenge yourself. It's worth to fight for things. It's worth to train for things. It's worth to lose. This is
1: Before It's Too Late. I'm your host, Christiane Susan. Let's learn together what matters most in life. It makes me very happy to have Marc Walder as my guest in today's episode. Marc is the CEO and managing partner at Ringier AG. Ringier was founded in 1833 and is a family owned, innovative and diversified Swiss media company that is active in Europe, Africa and Asia. It fascinates me that Mark has learned his leadership skills and attitude towards life somewhere else. Namely, on the tennis court. When he was a young boy, he started his career as a professional tennis player, renouncing from early age to a normal youth. We will hear from him in this episode, why he never regretted this. As he explains the biggest learnings. It's worth to challenge yourself. It's worth to fight and train for things. And it's even worth to lose, Mark says. Also the ability to focus on the present moment and the awareness that whatever you do, focus on that what you do in that moment, even with small things. When he broke his shoulder, Mark's life came to a full stop. He shares with us how it felt to him not knowing what to do next with his life, with no proper education and no network outside the tennis world how he found the courage to step into the unknown and eventually become a very successful leader and CEO of an international media company, showing a lot of stamina. This is how he grew into his profound attitude that the next door is always the next opportunity. Also, I really like what wisdom Mark wants to convey to his kids and how he wants to be remembered but listen for yourself. Hello, Mark. Welcome to Before It's Too Late.
0: Good morning, Christiane.
1: It's great to have you as our guest today. I'm delighted. Mark, after one and a half years into the pandemic, is there something that matters more to you than ever before?
0: The pandemic, I think, has had an impact on all our lives on different levels. For me as well, if I try to reflect what exactly, I would summarize. Yes, we do realize how vulnerable we are. We do realize how connected in a positive but also in a dangerous way the world is. The virus literally spread within weeks, maybe days, maybe within hours, if you think about the global connectivity. What matters more to me today is the typical things like what is really important in your life, by the way, not so easy to find the answer. Health, definitely. Trust in other people. Definitely less is more in my life. I was running around every day, every evening, events, meetings, and COVID slowed us all down. So, less is more is maybe the core thought I have for my life.
1: Well, that's a wonderful finding, actually, given that you are the CEO of Ringier one of the largest Swiss-based media companies. I can imagine that it must not have been easy. You were talking about trust. Tell us more about what you mean by that. Whom did you trust more yourself, others? And how did that show?
0: Maybe on two levels. I think trusting others has become more important. That is a personal thing I realized now to be more concrete whom do I trust more probably your inner circle the people around you the people you really do care for I do trust also this might surprise some of the people who listen I trust science I trust those who were able to find solutions and i'm talking about the vaccinations i'm talking about medicamentation in an extremely short time and i'm aware vaccinations don't protect you a hundred percent but i do trust that the humanity science people experts find solutions for us this was i think one of the most remarkable experience for me that uh, especially two companies with the so-called RNMA vaccinations found solutions that made the world dealing better with the COVID. So there's a lot of trust towards science. I do trust a couple of people that came closer to me due to COVID more give you an example we are living in a little village and because of the lockdown you were not able to go to the city to go to restaurants to go to theaters but you were kind of in your close little small community interacting much more very concrete you interact more with your neighbors than ever before because they were sitting in this lockdown situation as well so new friendship was built I trust that people can adapt very fast. And I would like to tell you a quick anecdote. Please. Um, We were having, like everybody else, tens of video conferences every day. And you look to people who are all of a sudden at home trying to find solutions with their family, with their kids, because kids don't go to school, because you have to stay at home. And there is one example that impressed me very much, and I bring it then to a more general level is that, so there was this one employee, he's the CFO of one of our companies in Eastern Europe, And he had to spend the whole day in his bathroom to do the video conferences. Why? Because the other rooms were taken by either his wife or their kids, because everybody was at home and that was the only quiet place to do the video conference. So he spent basically his lockdown in that bathroom in order to keep the company running and in order to get things done. And I realized that this person had to totally adapt, reduce itself, but it worked. And people are able to deal and to adapt extremely fast. I think that is maybe a concrete, easy example of what I mean.
1: I really like what you're saying, Mark, and I really like that you bring up the theme of trust and also this example and trust in the adaptability of human beings, because we as humans, as you know, we tend to dramatize and be skeptical about things in a not so good way, especially media companies. This is why I like that you as a CEO of a media company come up with trust. Mark, you and I, we've known each other for 10 years now, since I was serving on the board of Ringier Media, and I witnessed when in 2012, all of a sudden, you became CEO. You've been working with Ringier many, many years before, and your background is journalism, so you have this outstanding career. But before that, Mark, and I'm really interested in who you are as a person. I've seen you being a great leader of a company, but I want to talk now about your life before the sea level life. So I know that before that you've been a very successful tennis player.
0: Tell yes. us more
1: yeah, about that phase in your life and what you think these two paths have in common.
0: That is a very... Interesting question and let me try to be very open and to reflect on this. First, there is two ways to see my tennis career. The one you just mentioned, thank you very much, very successful tennis player. Or the other way, he has been a professional but didn't make it to the top. So you can see it both ways. Is the glass halfway empty or halfway full? For me, it's halfway full, even though I have never become a top 10 or top 20 player in the world. I was happy with what I have achieved. But you could see it from both ways, of course. Now, you have to go back all the way to the age of 9, 10, 11, when I started as a boy to start to play tennis in a local tennis club with a coach who discovered this guy has talent. And by talent, I think... Coaches mean a certain physical capability, a certain capability hand-eye coordination to deal with the ball, but most of all, a mental capability, and I'll come to that in a second, in order to focus, in order to concentrate, in order to maybe go towards your own limits. So you see this small boy, 9, 10, 11, who has spent more and more and more hours on the tennis court training. And what in very early years has been taught to me by the coach, also by my parents who supported this, by myself, is it's worth to challenge yourself. It's worth to fight for things. It's worth to train for things. It's worth to lose. Because if you are a tennis player, you lose more often than you win. Very few examples, it's the other way around. Maybe a Roger Federer in his career probably has won more matches than lost, but usually you lose more often than you win. So, Every time you're defeated, this is a very important lesson to you and you have to get up the next day and do things better. The constant learning curve is a very important thing, especially in today's time of digitization where things change so fast, where the refrigerator starts to talk to you, the car starts to talk to you, your smartphone helps you in various ways you step into this learning curve and you realize new things can be a chance, can be an opportunity. So I would summarize it this way. It's good to work hard. It can even be fun to work hard. And I give you a quick anecdote here as well. When friends of my parents were guests in our house at that time, the topic often was isn't this too much for Mark? Isn't he missing playing with his friends? Is this a good use he's having, spending so much time on the tennis court? And I I never understood the question because for me, this was fun. It was fun for me to challenge myself, to get better, to be defeated and stand up the next day. So, This, I think, is what has been taught in very early days and years. And I think this was the fundament of who I am today, willing to take challenges, willing to work hard, having fun in working hard and being challenged and try to learn every day. I know this sounds very much corporate or generic, but I truly mean it, Christiane.
1: Yeah, you truly mean it. I can feel that. And... Because you've experienced it. You lived that life of never giving up and getting up the next morning and try to be better. And see where that took you to, that attitude. Tell us more, Mark, about that moment when you decided to end your tennis career. What happened? Or was that a specific event? Or did somebody tell you, Mark, you better? look for another job,
0: uh, another thing to do. It was one of the few moments where I felt really much afraid of the next step. Now you have to imagine, so there's this 27-year-old person who has been treated well because he was a good tennis player, who had a nice car, who didn't make much money, but it was enough to make a living who had his contracts with Adidas, who was playing in stadiums, not huge stadiums, but still stadiums. Everything was fine. Of course, I lost also my matches, but everything was fine. And then I had this big operation in my right shoulder. And the doctor finally said, it's time to stop because you won't be able to play without pain and actually your shoulder through the operation has become quite fragile. I would recommend that you stop playing professional tennis. And that was for me a shock, even though I I knew a tennis career, a sports career comes to an end, but I was not prepared for that. And it was a full stop and I had no clue, Christiane, what next? Because at the same time, my colleagues finished university or were already in a job with a company and I had no idea what's next. So I asked At that time, a very good friend who has at that time been a very successful tennis player, his name is Heinz Günthert. He won the Wimbledon doubles at that time. He became then the coach of the famous German tennis player Steffi Graf. And I asked him in the shower, I remember very well, Heinz, what would you do? Should I become a tennis teacher now, a tennis coach? Maybe found my own tennis academy, a small one, of course, and then I continue my life in tennis, or should I start something really new? And it was in that shower when Heinz said, to my surprise, start something new, you can always go back to tennis if it doesn't work. So I started something new, but I had no clue what. And I started then as an apprentice in an editorial team and started to become a journalist. But at that time, to make this point... I was very much afraid because I had to start from zero. I had no proper education. I had no contacts to companies, what I could do, what I should do. And it was probably the moment in my life where I had for a couple of days, I was very much afraid. What should I do? What can I do? Who will count on me, etc. Cetera, etc.? Cetera. I think these points in your life where you feel afraid, where you don't see any light, where you are irritated, where you feel insecure, I think everybody has them. What I have learned is don't sit down and wait, but get up and continue walking. So I just started applying as an apprentice at that newspaper. And I tried to just open the next chapter and luckily it was okay. But of course, it could have come a different way. But I think you have to keep on walking, never stop. I think that's maybe one of my core beliefs.
1: That is so wonderful that you are lining out to us about the courage you had to find in yourself to go into the unknown. And you see how rewarding it was in the end.
0: People are often afraid of the unknown. People are often afraid of the next step. People are often afraid of open the next door. And I would encourage everybody, the next door, the next step, is always the next opportunity.
1: So true, Mark. Thanks so much for sharing that. And then you started when you were 27, you started this new career as a journalist. And share with us up until now, a moment that again was pivotal in your life, when you thought you needed more meaning.
0: Many many of these next steps, first of all, were totally unplanned. I think that is an important point as well. When I get asked about this career, how did you plan it? How did you design it? How did you structure it? I always say... There was no plan, there was no structure. I changed jobs quite quickly because people asked me to do the next job or the next step. Nothing has ever been planned. What on the other side has always been planned is I wanted to do my things as good as possible. I'm a bit of a believer in whatever you do, do it right. Do it with full engagement. This can be in your professional life, in your private life. It can even be very, very basic things like if you enjoy a meal, try to really enjoy it. If you have a glass of wine, then really enjoy the wine. If you go for a fitness session, then really do those 30 or 45 minutes the best you can. So this is kind of a philosophy I have and this is also what I try to maybe give to my kids. If you're doing something, do it right. Don't do it 50% or 60% or do it once and then you don't do it. Do it right. Do it good. Try to look for the fun in it. And I always say, if, if you engage yourself, fun comes with it. So I think the most important job I had, the most privileged job I had before I became the CEO was I was a very young editor-in-chief of a magazine that is dealing with... It's a people magazine uh, called Schweizer Illustrierte that is dealing with, I would say, famous people in, in Switzerland. Out of sports, out of culture, out of politics, out of managers, science. So, famous people. And the privilege to do this magazine was to get to know all these people. And what I mean by that, I would try to explain. So you get to meet a famous skier. You get to meet a very successful manager. You get to meet a famous professor, a Nobel Prize winner. And what interested me most when I got to meet all these people was... What made them strong? What made them successful? But don't misunderstand successful in terms of getting rich. That's not the successful I mean. Successful I mean in being able to bring so much energy to the table to fulfill your tasks. Be it a sports person, be it a politician, be it a manager, be it a pianist, be it a contemporary artist, whatever it is. And that was... I think the most exciting five years I had because I had the privilege to meet all these people. But talking about that, that also means getting to meet people who had a very difficult time because they had an accident or because they were falling ill or maybe because they lost all their money. That is also part of these lessons. So it's not only the success and the glory and, you know, it's also how to deal with difficult moments. And I remember very well, we had an extremely famous and successful skier and he had a terrible accident. He was at that time a downhill skier and he was paralyzed. And when I met him about six months after this uh, terrible accident, accident I was very much afraid of how I should talk to him he was sitting in the wheelchair in the clinic and how should I you know open the discussion with him and he overwhelmed me with positive thoughts with strength with he accepted what happened but was already looking very much forward this was a very important moment for me so I think altogether, that time was a very important time for me because I had the privilege to get to know people and try to find out what's the energy, what's the purpose, why, again, as I repeated, why or how can they bring so much energy into their life and do things that are outstanding. That's how I would frame it.
1: What is your legacy mark you want to leave behind other than money? So if you took the deathbed perspective, for what kind of life you want to be remembered?
0: First of all, having lost my father four years ago, I was confronted with a very, a situation that, that I think is a very difficult situation in everybody's life. You lose your father, your mother or other beloved persons. But I discovered that I should not be sad that my father died, but that I should be thankful for the life he had. And he always told me, not often, but when we talked about this, that... We should not be sad when he leaves, but we should remember all the good times and all the important things he taught us. And that surprised me because, of course, I was sad in the feeling of that he was gone, but I switched within three to four days towards being thankful for what he did to our life, in our family and and to myself and maybe also to others. Now... I don't want anybody to be sad when I would leave. Secondly, I'm not afraid of that moment at all for myself. I can't find out why this is. I know a lot of people are afraid of that moment or that that phase in your life. I am not. I would like to be remembered as somebody who is integral, who is humble, who. Try to do the best out of every moment. This is what I have said before. Uh, By the way, if you listen to this, you might think this is quite stressful. You know, try to do the best thing out of every moment. And I don't feel this way at all. I would like to be remembered as somebody who was honest and transparent. As somebody who liked other people. As somebody who was always seeing opening the next door or doing the next step as an opportunity. I would like to be remembered as somebody who tried to convince. Convince is maybe too hard of a word, but to, to show other people that it's worth doing those next steps, that it's worth trying to do your best for whatever situation. That's how I would summarize it. but. Not be sad because somebody left, but be thankful for the time we spent together.
1: Mark, this is absolutely wonderful and meaningful. And I'm really thankful for you to share these thoughts with us because most of us are afraid of even taking that perspective. So... I'm really grateful for that. Mark, is there anything you want to add?
0: Your next step is your next opportunity.
1: This is the best possible way to end our conversation today on Before It's Too Late. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Mark.
0: Christiane, it was very nice talking to you. Thank you, thank you. And all the best to everybody who is listening to this.
1: I really enjoyed this profound conversation, and I hope you did too. For more episodes of Before It's Too Late, make sure to subscribe. If this episode spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you think might benefit from it. Thank you for listening.